2: Tom Bernard Show with
0: co-host Catherine Brandt,
2: Andy Bernard Bernard,
3: and Mike Molina.
2: Alex is there too, Doug Sprenthal's there, but they're busy. Yeah. It's all we know. Goofy. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show.
4: Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company. And they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. And your record's terrific as well. We should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been
2: good, ladies and it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you?
4: At uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, dot com, at dot com, or at eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer dot
2: com. You know who's a disaster is Doug Sprint.
3: Come on, I had fun in because... the first section. I got to light you up a little bit. It's hard to do.
2: <laughs> you did. I've never and liked it. I got, you. I I got I your you wife
3: to, to help, too. Did you notice that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. Really great talking to you. In any case, what's going on in Walzer World? Well,
3: it's interesting. I just got off the phone with a friend of both of ours, Alan and We've been talking this morning about how many... One price dealers there are in the United States, and nobody really counts. There's not like a national registry, so I made some calls, and there's, they think that it might be three percent of the dealer body does business the way that Walzer does. There's more in the Twin Cities because some of our competitors have seen our success and copied us, but uh, it it's kind of odd that it's that small a number. And what one price means is, you know, we think that customers want two things from us at first when they want to buy a car. They want to know if we have it, and secondly, how much is it? And for some reason, in our industry, that answering that second question gives dealers the heebie-jeebies. We figured out years ago, well, why don't we just tell people what the price is? I mean, why screw around? So we've been, we've been, following this model successfully since 2001. Uh, it's it's it works great. Our customers love it, and I'm just stunned that more people don't copy it. So. How's that for commercial?
2: I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com.
4: I'm slowly losing my heart, slowly sinking trapped by
1: this thing they call love. Oh, baby.
3: I have a shock for you. What is that? We went, uh, Sarah and I went clubbing last Saturday night. We had dinner at Bar La Grassa, which is always fabulous went to see Yay. a cover band across the street at bunkers and it was just jammed so we went to nick's superstar bar we met nick's, oh yeah we met nick's and it's a cool place by the way if you're interested in, in uh that's what i series. hear but we met miss nancy she what a nice woman she is she's from north dakota just a sweetheart and she's a knockout too i'm like wow nice nicely done nick another guy that's what one, is she thinking Well, I didn't want to ask her that on the first engagement. (laughs) Hi. Oh, you're Nancy. What the hell's wrong with you? Are you being held hostage? (laughs) Yes.
2: Give me a secret sign if you're held hostage. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's right. You can leave with us. (laughs) Anyway, we had a nice a. chat. Nick. Nick was running around like a maniac. I think they're in Cabo now. They were leaving the next day, if I remember right. But it was cool to meet her, and, and his bar is really neat. It's on the second floor of 7, which is on 7th and Hennepin. If you're in the area, you should check it out.
2: That is magnificent, as a matter of fact.
5: Oh, uh, I wanted to mention about her book.
2: Oh, about uh, Danielle's book?
5: It's called Fed Up. If anybody's Fed up. interested in reading her book. Ooh, Fed Up Danielle. by
2: Danielle DiMartino Booth. Um, I I did want to talk about that Briefly, what what she's talking about She's not anti-union Because some people might think Well, God, what is she anti-union? That's not the issue at all It's the fact that politicians constantly Screw with the unions And get them, like the union Well, Hoffa's the best example Well, you know that, what was it, about two years ago The Teamsters just got Screwed by their union The Teamsters you know, you have to be unionized. Otherwise, you know that's the whole deal. It, it's the workers once again are caught in the middle. I personally belong to two unions. Well, it's now one union. It used to be two unions: uh, Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. But now they're the same union, and I'm heavily vested in my pension. I mean, lots and lots of money. So it does scare me when you hear people like, you know, these politicians go, oh, you, these unions should invest their, uh, their workers' money in this. Yeah, well, that's how these problems start. These pensions don't mess with people's pensions. Uh, and that's what she's talking about. So, so I, don't, I just didn't want anybody to get the opinion that Danielle is anti-union because she's not. That's not the issue. No, but she's right. Leave un- the money alone. Un-
3: unfunded pensions in this country, are, it's a huge, huge problem.
2: It is a huge problem, and where did all the money go that's
3: what that's what's that's why the post office runs a deficit. They're like I don't know five billion dollars in debt because they're forced to... it is
2: five billion dollars yeah. a year yeah a year does
5: anybody yeah. is anybody else mad about the fact that Amazon uses our postal service to deliver packages, so we are in effect supporting him through our tax
6: dollars well they pay the post office to send Th- packages no, low
5: low rates
6: very low rates.
5: very low rates so, i think it's obnoxious
3: well i think i you know i agree with the president that somebody should look into it but i suspect that they're charging them it's a competitive market you've got DHL, you got fedex right, right. the post office wants to jack up their rates 80 percent, they'll just say okay screw it we're going to use uh, these guys that's the danger of that. Yeah, but
5: they're I, operating at such a huge deficit already. They're not it. making any money. This isn't helping.
3: They should. We're kind of on the same start. side. One of my fears of the future is you're either going to be um, packaging stuff at FedEx, or not FedEx, at Amazon, or you won't have a job. <laughs> There's not going to be anything left. <laughs>
6: well, that's about it Well, the post office should just run more efficiently Is a huge thing they're It's a the, government
5: entity, that'll never happen Yeah,
6: that's the thing I mean, we can talk about how they're running, running at a deficit But as long as they're one of the least efficient uh, Operations in the entire country Then, yeah, that's gonna happen
0: Has anybody well, seen will... oh. <clears throat> No? Go, yes. ahead. Go ahead Okay. Now. Has anybody seen that movie? Oh, I can't think of the name Mom, you and I went to see it There was like that rabbit that fought crime It was a cartoon movie And there was the sloth at the DMV
5: Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah, the one with the fox. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah it was like I can't think of what it's called. Commentary type thing. Yeah, I but totally there was a sloth at the
0: DMV, and there is a guy at my local post office that I swear to God that sloth is based after. He is <laughs> Zootopia. the slow, Zootopia. 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 Yeah. He is the slowest yeah. moving human, and he looks like a sloth person. And it's like, are you kidding me? And the post office That's has every... always got a line out the door. You
3: no, know, there's a reason they yep. call it going postal. Yeah. yeah. People that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They get a little nutty I think.
0: Yeah, I'm like, why do you work at the post office? This is the worst job in the world for you and he's just like, Oh, one time he was counting stamps and I wanted to like cut in and be like 20, 30, <laughs> Oh my god
6: <laughs> I know. They hired these people for some for an essential service. Yeah, and then they wonder why things are going so well, poorly. Well, c- mm-hmm. civil
5: servants have—if if they pass the test, then that's it. Yep. That's all they have to do is pass the yeah, test.
6: They can be the absolute worst at their job, and they often are. But they're—they uh, still got the job.
2: Well, one of the problems I have—I get, uh, you know, messages from people, and you know, I obviously can't point out where this guy works, but uh, mm. he works for a place like the post office. You know what I mean? Okay. He said where he works. Half the people there cannot speak English, okay? So that's going to cause a problem because they can't read or speak English. And he said the, the, uh, the branch manager is, uh, is an immigrant who was sending pictures of his penis to female coworkers.
3: Oh, so he's becoming Americanized.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, they caught him doing it, and he still works there.
3: How, how?
2: Well,
6: yeah, they don't want to be racist after all.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it just why on earth are we doing this with the taxpayers' money? I, That's the whole problem. Really good it, question. It brings
3: up another question. Is, And there are two women that are on listening to the show. You guys can answer this question. Do you know any women on the planet that have ever wanted to receive text pictures of guys' junk? Ever? Yeah.
0: Not that I'm you aware, know. maybe, no, of course, that, somewhat, sort of, yeah, that don't re-
3: they don't ask talk sort of a rhetorical I'm sure question. Talks
0: to me
5: about, I'm sure, but no. Yeah, I'm sure there are some women that might like that kind of thing. Who I knows? I don't know
0: that there are. It's not like the male anatomy is something real great to look at, you know? It's not like, <laughs> I want to look at pictures oh of this all God. day. I don't know.
3: That's nice. kind yeah. of what I think, too. Yeah, I'm I don't just, know. Just, That's... Just, I think you'd be surprised.
6: <laughs> you go online, honest. there's some uh, strange people out there. Oh, there's something, something that everyone
2: <laughs> likes, no oh, yeah. matter what there's, their thing oh, yeah. is. There's oh, definitely someone, someone for Absolutely.
0: everything, that's for sure.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: that's, yeah. True. No, that's a fact. Yeah. There's no doubt that one of the things that made American Idol an immediate sensation were the bad auditions, but a lot has changed in reality TV, and Idol wants to change with it. So we're going to get all politically correct with American Idol now. I'm not what? at all surprised. I didn't so know that an that was ABC bring... on. Yeah, me either. It's coming back.
0: (laughs) Oh.
2: It's coming back to, but it's coming back to ABC. It was on Fox, but now it's going to be on ABC.
0: Then it'll be on TV. So when ABC
2: brings Idol back, they're doing away with those. Showrunner Trish Kanane says, quote, it doesn't feel comfortable to put borderline unstable people up on stage and laugh at them. That doesn't mean every audition will be serious necessarily. She says, quote, we want the humor, but we don't want the exploitation. It's not exploitation if someone comes yeah. to you and said and says, "I know I don't have the talent to do this. I just want to be on TV. That is not exploitation. No, not. Well, okay, good God.
0: Here is how those processes work on these shows. Like so you think you can dance and American Idol and the voice and blah 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 blah. They take giant groups of people, Anyone come one, come all. they have them audition. And then they say yes or no, and they only take the good people generally. And then they ask really horrible people, do you want to be on television as kind of a gag? Not, we don't really want you on the show, you're not actually a contender, but we think that you would add... An element of fun or blah, 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 blah. Suckishness. So the, yeah. So the people have to agree beforehand. It's not like these people are just going in blind on stage and really giving it their all and thinking that they're going to be the next American Idol. Right. They know ahead of time that they're just going on there for humor's sake. It's the gong show. Yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Well, what about William Hung? Remember William Hung? Uh huh. She bang? Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know how much money he made from that? No. I mean, he went and toured around because oh, yeah. he became so famous.
6: Everybody still knows who William Hung is. <laughs> Even if they're just like the flavor of the month or whatever, that's still a, yeah. a
2: good month. Yeah, I mean, they, the guy made a lot of money being William Hung, singing Bang Everybody.
5: <laughs> that was hilarious. I have to. Well, yeah. I have to say he was, was so sweet. But, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. But now we're too touchy feely to do anything like that because it's exploitation. That is not what exploitation is. It's just like that's not what diversity is either, okay? I, I, does anybody own a dictionary any longer?
6: Or re, this is definitely the era of redefining words to suit our purposes.
2: You well, that's need true. need a
5: dictionary. You can just Google it. You can, you
6: can just get, just get it done. That I, too.
2: No, I, I guarantee you, Amer- American Idol will now fail because they're not going to have uh, the goofy auditions. Well, that's the only reason I ever cared about them. Right,
5: exactly. I haven't watched that in so many years. I didn't even know no they one, still
2: did it. No one does. Well, somebody must be because it's still on. This is very, very sad, by the way. No matter what sporting event you're at, there are always those super hardcore fans, and apparently a lot of them participated in the latest poll because the results are really weird. Ticketmaster conducted a survey on fan behavior at sporting events, and they asked 1,000 fans how they thought their behaviors impacted games. For starters, more than 90% of NFL fans say the crowd in a stadium can sometimes or always influence the outcome of the games. That is not surprising. In a lot of cases, teams can benefit from home field advantage. By the way, this story gets much, much worse. Well, home field advantage is 100% psychological. It is, yes. The fans aren't doing anything. No. But then it goes a little off the rails. More than 50 percent five zero, 5-0, 50% of fans say cheers and chanting influence the outcome of the game. Nearly 40% say a combination. Are you ready for this? 40% say a combination of cheers, face paint, costumes, and dancing are most likely to influence the outcome of the game. Listen. They, they should have that they a, go at Wimbledon.
3: Yeah. And... I should no, tennis fans listen, paint their face and yell. that'd be awesome.
0: I'm gonna agree with these people because as no as a, perf- a past performer, the difference in like for me, going on stage and dancing for an audience that was like didn't really react to the whole dance piece it didn't really like, clap during it or anything, like there was always one show when we had shows in college. The Sunday afternoon show was always like, well, this one's going to suck. This is when you should just get all, if you're going to fall over, fall over at this show because it was always like, grandma's Mm -hmm. coming and blah, blah, blah.
3: I get that, but let me ask you a question. When you were dancing, were there any 350-pound black guys trying to tackle you?
0: Because I think that'll
3: keep you on your game.
0: But no, I'm just (laughs) saying, like, no, I'm just saying that as, and then the... Performances where there were people reacting to the dance piece and clapping or laughing or whatever you were trying to get out of them, you danced so much better and you felt so much better and the energy was just so different in the room. So the people that are chanting and painting their faces and screaming at you, it's like that just boosts the whole energy of the whole yeah, but there is a difference. Be-
3: I, I I agree with that being a musician, but there's a difference between art and competition. Yeah. But I mean, they're art still is not per- competitive still for the most part.
0: Performing in a way, yeah, tr-
3: to a point, but they're I, also I've, trying not to get uh, flattened by 350 pound true. black and white guys.
0: So I mean, it is it is different, yes, but <clears throat> I I definitely do think that the fans and the energy of the fans make a big difference in
5: well, and if. It- Maybe slight. I mean, for football, yeah, I I know that you're supposed to make noise during certain times so that they can't hear the, you know, the opposing team can't hear their calls and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I guess it probably must affect it a little bit. But nobody could say that face painting yourself when you're in the crowd could do anything.
0: Well, but that means you're an enthusiastic fan, and you're more likely to be the one yelling and chanting and causing. A ruckus when you're there if you do have your okay. face painted because if you're going in as a fan that doesn't have your face painted you're probably not as enthusiastic you're definitely not as enthusiastic as the guy with his face painted
3: who's more likely to throw up that. in a limo
2: exactly yeah oh <laughs> well you're not gonna let it go today are you, you pull it up. so what do you think what is that i painted
3: my face
5: you painted your face
6: yeah
5: uh, why
6: well you know support the team <laughs>
5: Well, you can not walk around like that. Why not? Because it's insane.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Let them know you're out
2: there. This is the playoffs. That's <laughs> the playoffs. Putty painting his face on Seinfeld was very, very. What was it? El Diablo, right? Because he's a yep. New Jersey Devils fan? Yep. <laughs> so what he painted. He called himself El Diablo. <laughs> he was a great character. I just yeah. loved
5: his delivery.
2: Oh, Putty was wonderful. What's
0: that?
5: Painted my, face. painted my face
0: he sounds <laughs> so much support. like what's his face from rules cronk. of engagement yeah cronk the guy jeff
2: that is him it is him. it that's is him?
0: him oh that's why <laughs> that would <laughs> be why, why. that's what same guy it's probably okay, yeah, yeah. why it sounds just like him. You know. i don't know i never really enjoyed that show uh,
6: <laughs> i liked it enough but yeah i was never like a fan yeah, of yeah so i never no. i never watched. it, it. A, yeah
0: uh, you
5: were born in the wrong era. To yeah, it, definitely, that's mm-hmm. true. Dan likes what it. Fa- yeah. What do you guys
2: think of the fact? Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the fact that NBC during the Super Bowl, NBC will show anthem kneeling during Super Bowl if it happens? They say we cover an event if it's part of the event, we will show it.
5: It's become s- s- standard operating procedure.
2: Yeah, um, it's boring at this point.
5: Yeah, it Nobody is boring at anymore. this
2: point. Uh, I'd have to agree with you. We will be right back. A woman returned her Christmas tree to Costco on January 4th. We'll tell you what happened in just a couple of minutes, Tom Bernard show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone said it was. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. Look, my my head stays level, you know, it's not too high, not too low. My neck feels much better because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering a buy one MyPillow, get another one absolutely free. Don't delay, this offer will end on January 31st. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Go to MyPillow.com, but make sure you use the promo code Tom. Again, please use promo code Tom. That's promo code Tom. MyPillow.com. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let Flow enhance your experience with their rock solid dock systems. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented easy level system. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Minneapolis Boat Show at the Convention Center January 11th through the 14th. Say you heard this ad on KQ and receive $50 off your purchase. Stop by Friday night between 6 and 7 to meet professional hockey star Ryan Suter, a proud owner and spokesperson for Flow Dock and Lift Systems. Or visit their website at floeintl.com. Flow Docks and Lifts, a better way. You know that really changes that song now that he's actually dead. We're all gonna die, well, yeah. What was he, fifty-eight when he died?
3: Yeah, I think fifty-seven yes, in that neighborhood. Fifty-seven, 57. Yeah, yeah,
5: around there.
2: Yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. All right, there's a lot of free money for you out there if, in the you know, you have zero shame, ethics, or personal code. Um, yeah, free money. Of course, a guy ones. posted a picture on. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. A guy posted a picture on Facebook on Friday from the returns and exchanges line at his Costco in Los Angeles. The woman in front of him dragged in her huge Christmas tree to try to return it <laughs> on January 4th. Her reason was, quote, because it's dead. This is a right, live Christmas tree. You- I was going to oh, say,
3: yeah. is this? I'm guessing she didn't have Nancy Pelosi eyes.
6: Oh my god! Uh, I'm guessing she didn't. Yeah, I mean, if it was a plastic Christmas tree and it died, then she'd have a case.
2: Yeah, <laughs> then she'd have a case. Uh, by the way... She made such a scene, they actually gave her the refund oh for God. her dead Christmas tree. Oh Don't reward God. people for acting oh, like that. Yeah. Oh, guys.
0: no. In customer <laughs> service, having worked in customer service for a while, you if somebody acts psychotic enough, you're told to just like, give them what they want. Because you're just like, That's I just stupid. we just want to get you away from me. And fine. Great. Well, then bye.
6: they're just going to go act more crazy the next time so it they is... can get what they want faster. I know.
0: It's very stupid. But they're like, it's... These people will sue you. These people will, like, do everything they possibly can to get their $13 back. It's, like, insane. They'll go on all social media and Internet sites and say how horrible their service was and blah, blah, blah. So, I don't
2: know. She actually dragged the Christmas tree into the return line. It wasn't like out – she didn't leave it out in the parking lot. She has it with her in the return line. And maybe the reason they gave her the the uh, refund – is because she looks like Wendy Williams. So maybe she's like, whoop your ass. That might be the problem. But there's a sign which makes no sense to me. This is Costco in Los Angeles. There's a sign that says, we do not accept returns on cigarettes. What? Um, why would anyone return
3: well, their cigarettes? Because you
5: could smoke a cigarette and decide you didn't like it and try to return it.
3: Wow. Here's, a,
0: here's a but. I don't want it
5: yeah, anymore.
3: What? That is odd that they would single out cigarettes, though, right? That, that means somebody must have brought
0: right somebody must have brought
5: some yeah, in exactly. and tried to return them s- <laughs> well i know that costco um, God, what did i well, i think i saw it down here i think the cigarette tax down here is oh, really yeah. low yeah um mm-hmm. i think it is but I, I i saw people taking you know giant carts with tons and tons of cigarettes and yep, they, they take them home oh, no they they sell them
6: Oh well, yeah, or that, but that's illegal technically. I know,
5: but they do, but they do that, I guess, all the time because the cost of cigarettes at, at Costco is way what less than when you where you can buy them. Where do you normally buy a cigarette? Gas
6: station. Gas stations, Gas stations. Yeah. a lot. Yes. Yeah, so. Florida's is a dollar thirty nine, which is right in the middle.
3: What's Minnesota like? Well, Costco five must bucks?
5: sell them cheap. Oh yeah. It's,
6: oh, it's up there. It where? Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota is two ninety. That's number seven. Really. Oh, that's, a, that's as of January 1st. I wonder if I can get one for more recent. Here we go. Here's one from 2017. Yeah, we're, there right you up,
5: go. we're right up there with New York. Uh, now we're at 304.
6: California. 304 per pack. No, New York is 435.
5: Whoa. What's hey. California?
6: Uh, 287. So we're actually higher than California. How about Illinois? Illinois is Kiefer. 198. That's it? Yep. That surprises me. Lowest, let's see.
3: North Carolina. Arkansas? But...
6: North Carolina is 46 46 cents? No, well, I mean 45 cents, but number 46 Virginia is 30 cents at number 49 What is number 50? Missouri, 17 cents Missouri, really? Then that's Mm. bordering Illinois, which is number 18 So I have a feeling a lot of people are going over to Missouri Well, that's probably why they did that So Illinoisians would come over and uh, buy cigarettes there Yeah, maybe because if you live on the border of Illinois and Missouri and you smoke, well, then there's you absolutely would go over to Missouri to buy your cigarettes. Well, according
5: to this map, we could go over to North Dakota and get cheap cigs.
6: Yes, North Dakota's number 47. Although, I mean, the mm. drive to North Dakota from Minneapolis...
5: Fargo's not that far. It's four hours
3: fargo's in Min- of the... You, fargo's, you have to go back, though, too, so it's eight hours. Yeah, I know. I have An eight-hour drive.
0: I have to make yeah. that drive in the next week or two.
3: Can you pick me up some
6: cats? Well, load up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, load up with <laughs> cigarettes,
5: and
0: yeah, sell them out some, of my make trunk,
5: make, <laughs> make yeah. some roof money.
6: Yeah, you could sell Perfect. them for uh, like you could sell them for like uh, two bucks over and still uh, be a, che- a dollar b- a thing dollar cheaper a pack. pack. That's it. Perfect, yeah. wow. it A dollar a dollar pack a cheaper it can than be Minnesota.
0: Bella's vet bill fund. <laughs>
2: yeah, vets aren't cheap. <laughs> no, Why do you have to go to North Dakota?
0: Uh, when Natalie has her baby.
2: Uh, okay. Oh. Oh. Yeah. To okay. go meet the baby. <laughs> Oh, dear. There, that's a good plan. That's yep. a good plan. Yep. Jalen Brown is one of the most intelligent and interesting young athletes I've met in years, and it seems fitting that midway through our interview in Boston, he should retell a parable that brings together Martin Luther King and the great American writer David Foster Wallace. I loved David Foster Wallace and Martin Luther King, actually. We've got we've got two young fish swimming one way and an older fish swimming the other way the 21 year old star of the Boston Celtics says as he considers the enduring backdrop of race in the United States they cross paths and the older fish says what's up guys how's the water the two younger fish turn around and look back at the wiser fish and ask what's water they've never recognized that this is what they actually live in so it takes somebody special like Martin Luther King to see past what you've been embedded in your whole life
6: is this about racism no you think uh huh
2: Three years before his death, Foster Wallace included the parable in one of his most widely read pieces of writing. Yet it carries fresh resonance when uh, said with the quiet force of a young basketball player who stands apart from many of his contemporaries, to the extent that there have been numerous articles in which an unnamed NBA executive apparently suggested that Brown might be too smart for the league. Yeah, I bet. Oh, you don't want to be saying that. Brown was a number 3 pick in the 2016 NBA Draft, and now in his second season with Boston, he's a key figure as the Celtics arrive in London this week as a leading team in the Eastern Conference. We've already spoken about Brown's desire to learn new languages and his interest in books and chess. While he loves playing the piano and listening to grime grime artists, what's a grime artist? I have absolutely no idea. Is that a form of music? Grime art. Grime artist. Is
6: a term I had not heard before, but apparently it's a thing. What is it? Uh, Looks like... Uh, I don't know. It looks like stupid crap for kids. For,
2: oh, it's for kids? Well, not
6: kids, but like, you know, teenagers. You know how teenagers are like, they, everything they like is bad?
2: Yeah. It's like that. Last week, the Celtics beat LeBron James' Cleveland Cavaliers 102-88. to 88. Excitement and anticipation surrounds the Celtics, but race still stalks our conversation, and it has echoed hauntingly through Brown's life. Racism definitely still exists in the South, he says. Remembering his youth in Marietta, Georgia, I've experienced it through basketball. I've had people call me the Big N. I've had people come to basketball games dressed in monkey suits with a jersey on. Oh, Why would you? you do that? That's bad. Not good. I've had people paint their face black at my games. I've had people throw bananas in the stands. Racism definitely exists across America today. Of course, it's changed a lot. And my opportunities are far greater than they would have been 50 years ago. So some people think racism has dissipated or no longer exists. Well, I do believe it's dissipated. No question. It absolutely has. Yeah, I mean, it does still exist, but it has dissipated quite a
6: bit. Well, I mean, that's like saying murder exists. There's always going to be murderers. Oh, yeah, that's true. Showing an example of a few people who murdered someone isn't the exact isn't the same thing as saying, look how common and loved murder is in our country.
2: I, I just don't. And here, his argument is Donald Trump has made it a lot more acceptable for racists to speak their minds. Why do Why do people think that?
6: I don't well because that's what they've been told by their college
2: professors. I don't think that Donald Trump is a racist. What? What? Why? I don't know. Look, he's not my guy or anything like that. I just don't understand why people think that he's a racist. It's convenient for um, people of
6: a certain persuasion to believe that Donald Trump is racist because that makes it uh, more likely for people to vote their way.
2: Yeah, I yeah I suppose it's, that's it's just
6: what it a is. narrative that the. Um, the far left came up with to make, uh, make it easier for the not super intelligent to, uh, well, well also those. his so let's, response let's to forget.
3: Charlottesville was not the best though, or the, the way he handled no, that Mexicans, not. a bunch of rapists. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of racist, I think. Yeah.
2: Well, he didn't, he didn't ever say that all Mexicans yeah. were racist, which is what CNN said. Rapists. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, rapists. I'm sorry. Uh, that all Mexicans. They said, he said that all Mexicans are rapists. No, he didn't. He never said well, that. Well, that's a problem. Is p-
6: people hear what people say that Donald Trump said. They yeah, don't hear true. what Donald Trump said. And you can never like you can never trust anyone to relay that information correctly. You have to listen to it for yourself and make your own decision. I don't. Know, I just
2: like I said. I, I like that centrist thinking. It's like uh, leave me alone. How about that? That's good, isn't it? There, was, no a, there was a state no. senator,
3: I read this this morning, there was a state senator in Kansas that his argument why they shouldn't legalize marijuana in Kansas, and it's not even uh, for medicinal uses down there, as he says that black right. people genetically can't handle it. It's like, you, you <laughs> oh, God, who said that? <laughs> He's a state senator in Kansas who said that? was yesterday, just some guy in western Kansas, oh, and that was his reasoning oh, for God. why uh, they shouldn't legalize pot. <laughs>
2: Because black people can't handle it.
3: Because of their genetics.
2: He actually said that. Yep. Because of their genetics. Andy Andy can
3: Google it. You can probably find a few stories about it. Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, You know how I talk quite often about how I'm not real fond of the far left or the far right? either. We think we've
3: heard you mention that. Did you hear about this? Like last year, once or twice. Once or
2: twice, yeah. Yeah, last year, once or twice. This is a true story. Mega Church Pastor Andy Savage made a confession this past Sunday at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. As a college student on staff at a church in Texas more than 20 years ago, I regretfully had a sexual incident with a female high school senior in the church. Uh, She was 17 years old. His request for forgiveness got a standing ovation from the congregation. Okay, now that's bad enough. This guy has a sexual encounter with a 17-year-old, and they give him a standing ovation because he wishes to be forgiven. Uh,
3: if you, you know. want to, Tom. If you if you want to get really pissed off, look at the. They did a taped interview with this woman that brought the accusations. I mean, she's just in tears. She she talks about how it oh, felt. Oh, Miss Woodson. Yeah, it'll it'll rip your heart out. You'll just you'll want to go kill well, this guy. <laughs>
2: I'm glad you brought this up because uh, we're back in the church now. In the wake of the Me Too movement, Woodson felt the need to speak up. She sent Savage an email last month. He didn't respond until Monday, and she said he apologized. Chris Connolly, the lead pastor of the Memphis church where Savage Now ministers, prayed for Savage and Woodson. And then he said, and I quote, it saddens us that Ms. Woodson has not been on the same road to healing. So it's her fault, apparently.
3: That gets you the big F you.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it sure does. This is what I'm saying. The far right and the far left, they're both so crazy. Is there anything we can do to kind of, like, curtail that kind of behavior?
6: No, because people want to think that most people are moderate, but they're not. No, they're not. Oh, God. Most people are are far something. That's why
2: people like that get into power, because the majority agrees with them. It saddens us that Ms. Woodson has not been on the same road to healing. She was attacked, you jackass. Healing. Healing. I, I just... I, I, what are people... I, what are they thinking? You know what I mean? We could... Uh, you know what? Let's do this because I think it's a good thing. Nine ways the world got a lot better in 2017. Yeah. It's not all bad. Vikings. Don't you think this is a good idea? The Vikings. Uh, you think the Vikings were one of them? It should be. Number one, there's there, there was less famine in 2017. For a famine? While. Less famine. I have not That's heard always. of famine in this country in quite some time. <laughs> it was the world, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the world, how the world got better. But uh, there's been a less famine in 2017, which is good. Fewer war deaths, which we liked. We like fewer mm-hmm. war deaths. Fewer deaths from natural disasters, which is kind of surprising because there were lots of natural disasters in 2017 as pointed out by our previous guest.
6: There's just a lot of natural disasters in general. It's just they're easier to hear about. It's like, I mean, 30 years ago, something happens to Haiti. How are you going to hear about it? True. Unless some news anchor goes to Haiti, then you're not going to. Progress against pestilence. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Still, what the? Are, why are the four? These are the four horsemen: fam, fam, yeah, famine, famine,
2: pestilence, war, and death. <laughs> You're right. They're the four horsemen. Uh-huh. So the world's gotten better because of the four horsemen. Uh, greater life expectancy, which we know about, more democracy. Turkey, Poland, Hungary, and strikingly, the United States saw worrying attacks on democratic norms. But according to the Pol- Polity database. A touchstone for political scientists, the proportion of countries worldwide that are democracies is a record at 58%. Expanding rights for women and sexual minorities, fewer people living on $2 a day, and greener energies. That's how the world got a lot better in 2017. So we leave part two in a happy, happy mood. We'll be right back. Nate Stanaforth, a magician will join us next. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. Minneapolis is gearing up for the biggest football event of the year. And you've probably heard the myth that you should wait until after the big game to sell your home. What? If you're thinking about selling, now is the time. Why? Because buyers are hungry and most sellers aren't even in the game. But the real key is fielding the right team. And that's my buddy Chris Lindahl's team with Remax Results. Remax is America's number one real estate franchise. And the Chris Lindahl team is America's number one Remax results team. Why? Because they've got the right game plan and the best players at the skill positions. They know how to market your home. They know how to use social media. And they know how to win. On average, the Chris Lindahl team sells a home every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until after the big game to get a big win on selling your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD and the first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value. And it's only going to the first two KQRS callers from this ad. That's 763 401 sold. Get a free staging package and win big on selling your home before the big game. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. This is Molina being creative.
3: Well, I was Uh, due.
2: Nate ready? Ha! (laughs) Well, that's true. You were due. That's true. It's a very good point. Uh, Is Nate with us? Yep. Nate Stadiforth. How are you doing, Nate? I'm I'm very well. Thanks for uh, bringing me on. Absolutely our pleasure. Uh, Nate's new memoir, Here is Real Magic, a magician's search for wonder in the modern world, which uh, comes out, by the way, six days from now, right? That's
1: right. Yeah, 16th. January 16th.
2: January sixteenth, it comes out. Uh, I can open up the conversation, Nate, by telling you I am a huge fan of magic. I am not one of those people, however, that that has to know how it's done. I just enjoy watching it. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't want to know how it's done. May, is that? Are there a lot of people like me that don't want to know how a trick is done?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think when people watch a magic show, they forget that a magician watches them back, and and the room Ooh. divides in half. You know, you see people who are there to try to figure it out, and then you see people who don't care and and are just there for that sense of astonishment. And You know, the goal is by the end of the show to even have the the skeptical people switch over for a few minutes so they can enjoy it as well. Do all magicians
2: begin, I mean, that that wonderment that is uh, being a child in the world. As a child, did you just love magic and wonder and all the rest of it?
1: Yeah, yeah, and even before I learned about magic tricks, I just loved being yeah. amazed by things. You know, you can find that you can find that anywhere: or music, movies, basketball, poetry. You know, and and when I discovered magic tricks, it was a way to to, to get at that and to share it with people.
2: I just whether it's. Live or on television or whatever the situation is. Matter of fact, that show—I remember that show that revealed all oh, how tricks were done or whatever. The Masked the, Magician, the or, Masked or whatever. The Magician, or whatever. That show—I hated that show.
1: Yeah, because yeah, I don't want to know it how it's done. Yeah, it did exactly. it ruined it you for don't... me. I
2: don't want to know how it's done.
1: Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I wish everyone could could see it that way.
2: So, what, what is the? Why did you write the book? Why? Because uh, you sound like you're about 15 years old. First of
1: all, Nate, I should point that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh nice of you to say maybe i'm not sure i'll think about that
2: no it uh, is you know it is. you sound very I, young uh,
1: i i went here's here's what happened to me i got interested in magic because i loved the experience of magic i love being amazed by things but but maybe this is true of all professions you know the idea of becoming a magician felt glamorous and exciting to me but, but it conceals this sort of grinding day-to-day reality. That's probably true for all professions, you know, where from the outside, a job looks spectacular, and on the inside, when you're doing it every single day, it can just become exhausting. And, you know, when I was 26... I I had been touring for five years, just living out of a suitcase, and and I was exhausted. And Mm -hmm. and for being a professional magician, there was not very much in my life that felt magical. And so I had this moment where I thought, I'm either going to quit or I have to find a way to dream it up again and and rediscover why I cared about this in the first place. And so the book is a story about wonder and disillusionment and then sort of fighting and searching to, to get it back.
2: That may, yeah, that makes complete sense. Now, Nate, I've, I've interviewed tons and tons of magicians in my life. I've been in radio for several decades, um, on the same show for thirty-two years, as a matter of fact, and I've never wow. asked a magician this question because uh, it, it just, for some reason, just popped into my head. When did the the idea of having an attractive woman on stage with the magician come into vogue, and why did did this draw more men to magic? Is that what happened?
1: You know, I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I do know that, um, you know, for, for most of human history, the magician figure, that sort of archetypal figure, was also the doctor, the healer, and the priest. You know, you've heard of shaman, and um, sure. yeah. there is that figure in every, every indigenous culture in the world, and sometimes they're men, and sometimes they're women. So I think it's probably more a reflection on Western society that, that right now, um, it seems like such a male-centric profession, rather than a reflection on on magic itself. And and I yeah, should add have that to there are some world world-class women magicians. Um, and that I, was know, my next think, question, actually, Nate. Yeah. Yeah. My just, next question yeah, was: sure. Are there,
2: there are great female magicians?
1: Absolutely. And and you know, right now there are things. Magic is in a time of real revolution, because. You know, I think magic is going through what music went through in the 50s. In the 1950s, music exploded. And, and one of the reasons for that was the the advent of the Fender Telecaster electric guitar. It was the first sort of cheap, commercially available electric guitar that teenagers could afford. And, and everyone had one. Dylan had one. Jimi Hendrix had one. Janis Joplin had one. and And that changed the face of music forever. And... And our electric guitar moment in the world of magic was the sort of advent of street magic. You know, the idea that you can go out and do um, magic in people's hands with cards or or with objects that you borrow from them. You you no longer need uh, a Las Vegas stage and a million-dollar lighting rig to do magic that, that you see on TV. You just need a deck of cards and an imagination. And so what we're seeing from the new generation of magic is this level of invention and innovation that, that we've never seen before. And and it will never be the same.
2: I, is it true,
1: and this is a trick that's been going on
2: for years, I cannot remember the original magician's name, but that catching a bullet in your teeth
1: thing doesn't always work yes. out, does it? No, that's killed 11 people, yeah. Um, Eleven? Yes, you know, the amazing thing about magic, that's, that's, that's right, the amazing thing about magic is sometimes you see things that, that look real and are actually fake. And sometimes you see things that look fake and they're actually real. And, um, you know, there are some magic. I think when people watch a magic show now, there's a certain cynicism. They assume that everything's fake and that everything's going to work because it's a magic show. But the reality is that there are there are parts to magicians acts that, that are very much um, tenuous and up in the air and it's, it's down to careful planning and, and skill. And when that goes badly, uh, it can go very badly.
2: You know, I got to tell you, Nate, I'm so simple minded about magic. And, and again, I, I think I just, I so don't want to know how it works. They show on YouTube uh, the old, uh, what's the, the the shell game, the three shells, and you put a P sure. under one of the shells and you move them around or whatever. There are tons of of videos on YouTube where cats every time Mm -hmm. can tell you which shell the pea is under, which I think is phenomenal. I
6: love that. Yeah, I think they can hear it like with their cat hearing, they can hear it rattling around in there or something.
1: (laughs) They just swat at the shell. That makes sense because magic is designed. You know, the the first step is to sort of figure out how people are going to perceive what you're doing. yeah. Yep. You learn to fool people. You know, you're not... I'm not doing actual magic. I've just learned to sort of short-circuit some of the the, um, perceptions and rational processes that people go through.
6: Yeah, it's like sleight of hand probably wouldn't work on a bird because they're always constantly looking all over the place. (laughs) Or as humans tend to fixate.
1: Right. It would just have to be different. You know, you'd fool a bird differently than you would fool a human. Nate, do you think
2: it... Is it uh, a distraction? Is it a huge part of magic?
1: Uh, you know, I think, I think that's the perception, but, but people are actually really good at sensing when they have been distracted and there's a world of difference between being fooled by something and being amazed by something. And so the best magicians in the world will make you convinced down to the very core that you saw everything. And yet here is a miracle. It's the bad Mm, magicians that make you feel like you've been misled or distracted, um, The the masters make you know that you've seen not just something that you can't explain, but something that cannot be explained.
2: Now, Nate, you talked about this earlier, and one of my favorite, probably my favorite trick right now, it's been around for several years now, too, you take a deck of cards, you say, pick a card, put it back in the deck, uh, the magician then throws it at a window, and their card appears on the other side of the glass, (laughs) I don't yeah. want to know how it's done, but it is one of the greatest tricks I've ever seen.
1: So, so let me tell you a, a great story. So the greatest magician in the world still today is this 90-year-old man who lives in a, uh, his home north of London. And he used to be a superstar. He was on the BBC when it first became a television studio. And, and he, was, he was famous in, in the U.K. and Europe. And he performed a version of the card through window on an airplane. He was on a transatlantic oh. flight from New York to London, and he, he was sitting with a group of reporters, and uh, this man's name is David Burgless and so da- David asked someone to choose a card and write their name on it, and he held the card up to the window and then asked the reporter to take it down, and she tried to do so, but found that it had gone to the other side of the glass, and it, it <laughs> stuck there for just long enough for her to see her signature on the other side of the window, and then the wind caught it, and... Peeled it off into the sky, and uh, yeah, that is a that is a fantastic illusion. It is. Uh, is he the one who invented that illusion? You know, I think I think like most magic tricks, there's they evolve more than they. You know, yeah, like, yeah. There have probably been versions of that, that that happened before, but he was the one to really make it feel like like a miracle.
2: See, now that just seems completely illogical. How can you on it? So the airplane
1: is in the sky. In the sky, yeah, in the sky, flying above the Atlantic from New York to London. But see, when you're designing these things, you have to start with some impossible goal. Because if you start start with something that is implausible, um, then immediately you can start to rationalize it, or a spectator could start to rationalize it. So the goal is absolutely first to think of something like that, that that seems so preposterous that you couldn't even begin to explain it. And then, logically, step by step, you start trying things and experimenting and, and testing those theories. And you know, pretty soon you've got a hundred bad ideas and one idea that isn't as bad as the other. So you pursue that. And, you know, sometimes it takes days, sometimes it takes weeks, but usually it takes years and even decades. Uh, I'm 35 years old right now, and there's a piece that I'm debuting in, in my next tour that I started working on in high school. And so it just sometimes takes a really long time to figure out how to do the impossible.
2: Are you coming to the, uh, to the uh, Minnesota area,
1: anywhere around Minnesota? I am, yeah. I'm, I'm performing in St. Paul at the end of February, yeah. Oh, you are where? Uh, it's called the Turf Club. It's a, oh, you know, the Turf Club, yeah. Coming oh. out. Yeah, it's, Phenomenal. it's a hybrid book event slash magic show, so it should be a good time.
2: Oh, it'll be a great time, and you're going to love the guy who owns that bar. He's, uh, great. he's an interesting yeah, I've never been
1: there. guy. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's, it'll be fun. See, I, what you're talking about is exactly why I love magic so much. Because obviously, to just kind of re-reference here, if I'm on an airplane and my card appears on the other side of the glass and then blows away, that is absolutely impossible. But I still don't want to know how he did it. I, I don't <laughs> want to know.
1: It's That's just great fantastic. Yeah. It, it can't be That's... done, but he did it. But there it is, right in front of you. Uh, it I, is, uh, right in front of you. just a moment ago. The, the show at the Turf Club is on February 7th, so uh, I'd love to have you. Oh, February on. 7th. Yeah.
2: Well, it's good. while well, you're coming to town just after
1: the Super Bowl, so that's good. I know, yeah. We we didn't obviously want to do something right on that day, but, uh, yeah, shortly there. No. What? Uh, where did you grow up, Nate? Uh, I grew up in Ames, Iowa, and I live two hours east of there now in Iowa City.
2: And you... you... That's You know what's interesting about that? I asked so many magicians, including, by the way, Johnny Carson, who started out as a magician, yeah. so many people get into magic from Iowa and Nebraska, and I. why do you yeah. think that is?
1: I have no idea, but, but you're right about that, that there's this history of people coming from Iowa yeah. And, yeah. and then going on to, to tour the world as magicians. Um, I, you know, when I first started my work as a professional, I moved to Los Angeles and then to Chicago because I thought I had to live in a big city. But anymore, right. I'm on the road so much now that when I go home, I want it to really feel like home.
2: I love it here. I think it's a wonderful thing, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Real Magic, a magician's search for wonder in the modern world. Comes out on January 16th. Nate's coming to town on February 7th. He'll be at the Turf Club. Would love to see you in town, Nate. Great interview. I, I, and I'm seriously. There is no bigger Magic fan than me, and I will never, ever want to know how tricks are done. I just love watching them happen. <laughs> ah, that's great. We'll
1: send you some tickets for the February 7th show. Thanks so much. Uh,
2: thanks, Nate. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What a nice kid. I, I swear to God, he sounded like he was about 15 years old, didn't he? Kostaki! Oh, he got in, did he? no. Kostaki! Oh, no. Kostaki's oh, no, here.
3: What's up, guys?
2: Nothing to it. We're going to take a break in a couple of seconds here. But when we come back, we will feature you in the entire third hour of the show. Everyone... Is beside themselves with excitement. You know that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. What? Oh, Kostaki's here, Catherine. Hello. Hey, Catherine, what's up?
5: I just got our new beverage refrigerator, so I'm very excited. Oh, oh. you got it
2: taken care of. All yeah. right, we're gonna Bedford. take a break. We, right? Are you gonna stay what on the third hour with Kostaki? Gotta Rich deal
5: with the beverage refrigerator. But oh,
2: maybe. My yeah, God. Maybe.
3: <laughs> the first
2: segment. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show.